Father, we come to you tonight in the precious name of Jesus Christ at a time and an hour, Father Lord, ready to hear from you, Lord, ready to have you speak to us, God. Your word is a now word. And in this hour in which we're in, God, we're dealing and we're struggling with our imaginations. And we're struggling with our thoughts because of everything that's going around in our world and, and the pressures that we're under and the things that we're facing, God, Lord. And Father, you have an answer for this. And I'm thankful that the word of God will speak to our hearts tonight and give us the truth, not what a man says, but God, what you say. And that we'll be obedient to your word tonight. And therefore, we will conquer this struggle in the name of Jesus. And everybody say, amen. You may be seated. How many of you ever had a bad thought? If we're truthful, all of us have had a bad thought. How many of you have ever imagined doing something wrong? If we're truthful, we've all imagined doing something wrong. Why, well, I'd like to wring his neck. That's what the flesh says to do. The thought of it, though, and picturing doing it is not the problem. Because we all have those moments. But it's when you actually wring their neck, it becomes a problem. If you have one of them thoughts and you don't crucify it, and you don't bring it into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ... As Paul instructs us to do, you'll probably end up wringing someone's neck. And these imaginations are formed by your thinking, your carnal thinking. This word is so relevant right now. Due to the fact that we're all living in this stress-induced environment, we are currently living in a time when imaginations are running wild. We know that the battlefield is the mind, and we're all at war with it. The flesh is opposing the spirit like never before. We believe it's Democrats fighting Republicans, or we believe it's the conservatives fighting the liberals. Well, can I unwrap it and call it like it really is? It's evil fighting good. It's the flesh opposing the spirit. It's that hour that was prophesied when they will call good evil and evil good. And the worst of times unleashed by an Antichrist spirits, and most are imagining the worst, hopelessness. They're, what's the use? Why try anymore? They imagine as things are lost, things are done, things can't be undone. And our imaginations are beginning to believe those types of things, and they are putting us in trouble. We're living in a time when so many things are trying to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God, to the point many are wanting to cast God out of everything. Our imaginations are pictures of what we perceive, perceive things to be or what they're to become. Imaginations is what spurs our dreams. It's our minds responding to our thoughts. Good thoughts lead to good dreams. Evil thoughts lead to evil dreams, nightmares. Good thoughts lead us to a path of hope and joy and happiness. Evil thoughts lead us down a path of destruction and fear. So to live in these times as a Christian, Paul tells us to cast down these imaginations, refers to them as evil imaginations, and bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of Christ. In return, think on the good things he says. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever is honest, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things that are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and it says, and if there be any praise, in other words, if there's going to be any praise up in here or anything for you to praise God about today, you're going to have to think on these things, he says, the good things. Instead of worrying yourself to death over a certain situation, start praising God. You woke up today in your right mind. You still got your three kids who still have 10 toes and 10 fingers. When you begin to think you have no reason to come up in here and praise the Lord, then church, we got a stinking, thinking problem on our hands. What we think and even what we think of ourselves is so important right now. 
The pressure of worrying about all the bad stuff is causing good people to go bad, making wrong decisions. To have a problem is one thing, but how we react to the problem is another. If you don't change how you think about it, you won't change how you react about it. You know, there are a lot of options out there to how you can respond to your situations, your circumstances, and your troubles. And yet, without thought too often, we quickly respond, according to the flesh, how we feel about it. And Paul said, we're not to war like that. Never bringing your thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. In other words, what would Jesus do? Is not one of our, or usually one of our selected options. Because too often, how we respond doesn't bring satisfaction to your flesh, and it doesn't bring vengeance. The, and these bad thoughts are causing people to lose hope, to lose the wars in their minds. It ought not be happening in the body of Christ. If anybody's got hope, it's God's people. If anybody ought to have faith in these troubling times, it's God's people. We are children of promise. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Yet these troubling times have led so many to betray God. And many have been led to believe that God has betrayed them. <clears throat> In this hour of betrayal, how should we be acting as believers? Let's talk about it. I'll title this message, The Hour Has Come for Betrayal to Be Over. So many people feel betrayed by people, by government, by the church, due to circumstances, tragedies, rejections, and many even feel they have been betrayed by God. Can I tell you, no one knows more about being betrayed than God. He knows the pains, the hurts, the emotions. He set the example through Jesus Christ of how we can handle betrayal and at the same time be victorious. Now, for my text, I chose Matthew 27, verse 3 through 5. In NIV, it says this. When Judas, who betrayed him, talking about Christ, this is one of his very own chosen disciples. When Judas, who betrayed, Jesus, betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, in other words, when he saw the results of his actions, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. And verse 4 says, he said, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is it to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away, and sadly, he hanged himself. This account is of Judas' unbelievable actions. It's an example how an evil imagination was, brought, was not brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It was just simply a thought. At one moment, it was just a thought until he reacted upon it. Then it became a problem due to his reaction to his carnal thinking. His betrayal of Jesus brought destruction to his life. It's hard to imagine a man like Judas doing something like this, especially being Judas was one of the disciples chosen by Jesus. Yet he is the one Jesus had declared earlier would betray him. That's right, even church folks can betray Jesus. When the religious leaders, because of their evil imagination, were ready to crucify Jesus, they offered a reward to the one who would lead them to his location. And Judas, because of his own lust, because of his evil imagination, did so. In his mind, he began to imagine what he could do with such a reward. His imagination had begun to run wild. The temptation was fueled in his mind by his evil thoughts. And to think, after all Jesus had done, went and done for him. Anybody in here ever had an experience like that with a friend, with a family member, a spouse, an employer? They betrayed you and you have those same sentiments? When you begin to think in your mind, after all that I've done for you, and you did this to me? As I just said, when it comes to betrayal, don't nobody know the effects of it any more than Jesus. And when it comes how to handle being betrayed, 
No one's a better example of how to do, to do that than Jesus. So many people in our nation right now, they feel so betrayed. They've suffered an injustice by some of the closest people around them. And now in your mind, you have the thoughts. I thought you were my sister. I thought you were my friend. After all I've done, went and done for that child, for that man, for that woman, and this is how you're going to do me? And now you have to deal with how you're going to react. Your imagination is going to go wild with all the options you have to choose from that you can respond with. Are you just going to immediately respond like the flesh wants to, or are you going to prayerfully think it through? It's hard to imagine people doing things like they do to you, but the truth is people are imagining doing things like this to you all the time. Thankfully, there are times they don't carry out these thoughts. Jews had sat there with Jesus, pondering in his mind, warring against the temptation of his thoughts, what he could do with the money being offered, till it overpowered him, and he responded to his lust. Judas left the, the supper with Jesus, rushed to the chief priest, and asked, how much would you pay me for his location? At one moment, he imagined it, but the next moment, he acted upon it. He should have cast it down. It was an evil imagination. If he would be honest with ourselves, how many times have you thought evil against someone? The key to it was to think it, is, to think it is one thing, but how you responded to those thoughts were the most important. It's one thing to think it, but it's another thing to carry it out. Oh, I just like to, mmm. They answered Jesus and said, 30 pieces of silver. He said, I'll take it. Judas, why? Satan used Judas' weakness to tempt him to be a part of his plan. Judas's participation shows the enemy doesn't work alone. He's always looking for accomplices, someone to carry out his plan while he waits in the dark, gloating as he exploits the weakness of man's flesh, continuously putting enmity between man and God. Judas had served as the treasure of the disciples. He had a love for money, and as you'll soon learn, it had a way of sticking to his fingers. When the woman rushed into the, dinners, the dinner party and broke her alabaster box open and pulled it out, an expensive bottle of oil equal to a year's wages and washed Jesus' feet with it, it was Judas who complained it was a waste of money. In John chapter 12, verse 6, exposes why Jesus why Judas says this. It says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Sounds like Judas had quite a reputation. And we discover in Matthew 26 that when Judas got to the, to the, to the publicans, he asked, how much will you give to me to give him up? That generates a very valid question tonight. At what price would you give him up? The world says every man has his price. And the truth is, many give him up every day for so little. For just a moment of pleasure, just a moment of weakness, for a taste of the temptation, at a moment of frustration, for such an unnecessary evil. In the beginning, sin fascinates. In the end, it assassinates. It takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay. Your reacting to your evil imagination leads your life to destruction. Stay with me here. Judas' sinful practices were being driven by an evil imagination, never realizing at the moment he was being used by Satan, being driven by temptation and evil influences. How many think just because you're a Christian, you can't have bad thoughts? Let me help you. We all do. The problem, once again, I'll say it, is when you act upon them. It becomes sin once it's conceived, once it's carried out. See, it's one thing for you to be standing and singing Amazing Grace, and out of the blue, Ruby pops up in your mind. You ain't had nothing to do with her or thought of that girl in 20 years. Where did that come from? Satan. He's the accuser. 
It's not his problem as long as you cast it down and you declare, not today, Satan. But it's another thing, though, if you tell your wife, excuse me, I got to go make a quick phone call. Hello, Ruby. Do it. And I'll have a funeral to, to officiate come Monday. You see, it's one thing for Judas to think it, but it was another for him to act upon it like he did. He was snared by his own lustful sin. Instead of crucifying his thoughts, bringing him to captivity, he chose to proceed out of his lustful desires. You know, Satan knows all of our weaknesses. So let's follow the story and see what I mean. After he got his money, upon Judas seeing them arrest Jesus, verse 3 says, Then Judas was seized with remorse when he seized the consequences of his sin, of his actions. He became repentant and went to return the 30 pieces of silver back to the priest, telling them, I've made a mistake. I've sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. And they replied, what is it to us? That's your responsibility. Do you know on Judgment Day, every single one of us is going to stand accountable for our own actions and our own betrayals of Christ? They were saying to Judas, in other words, you should have thought about that before you sold him out. That's on you. If you have allowed your evil imagination to betray someone or even Christ, that's on you. And only with a repentant heart and a desire to make things right will you be able to stand on judgment day. The saddest words I feel that are in the Bible or when it says many will stand before Jesus, our righteous judge, thinking they're okay, and he'll say to them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never even knew you. The religious leaders told Judas, we have no need of you anymore, and they wouldn't take the money from him. The Bible says, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left, feeling responsible for his actions. Listen, just because he tried to give the money back, there were still consequences for his actions. You rob a bank and get to feeling bad about it, just because you give the money back don't mean you're no longer responsible for what you did. Doesn't mean you still aren't going to go to jail. There are consequences for our actions. The conviction and guilt drove Judas mad to the point that he hung himself. Judas became just another puppet in Satan's plot and pattern of exploiting weak souls and getting them to do his dirty work, then spitting them out to defend for themselves after he's done this with them. Because Judas didn't cast down his evil imagination, it led him to an evil practice, one of betrayal. Now, let me preach a moment to those on the other side of this fence who have not betrayed but have felt betrayal. I've come to preach a sermon that will serve as a letter of notice from God to your enemies for you. I'm talking to all of you. I've come to serve notice to your enemy that has attacked you and that has even attacked me. I've come to serve notice to your enemy that has caused people to lie on you, that has destroyed your family, that has disgraced your ministry, that has caused your best friend to betray you, that's ruined your reputation, that's led your children astray, sold you out. I'm serving him notice today he's going to have to pay us back. And devil, I declare you're going to have to give us back everything you stole from us. And I've come to tell my enemy, and your enemy for you, I'm not as young nor dumb nor stupid as I once was about who it was that attacked me. I know, Satan, it was you. You were behind every plot against me. You used some of the people closest to me to do your dirty work. But today, I'm not as vulnerable or gullible as I once was. You fooled me for a while, for too long, I blamed my mama, or I blamed my daddy, or I blamed my childhood, or I blamed my spouse, I blamed my job, I blamed God, and yes, I even blamed myself, but I found out all along it was you, and I'm coming for you, and I'm bringing God with me, and I'm coming to your camp, and you're going to give me back my stuff today. You're going to give me back everything your betrayal and your betrayers stole from me. 
I'm coming to take my joy, my strength, my family, my children. Come on, somebody needs to preach this with me. You're going to give me back my children. You're going to give me back my family. You're going to give me back my career. You're going to give me back my ministry. I'm speaking to your enemy for you today. Ain't you going to stand up with me? Come on, church. You better grab your stuff too while I'm getting mine. Hey, I'll even help you carry your stuff back. Because today, devil, you are under my feet. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Everybody's mad at the world. Everybody's angry with one another. Everybody's blaming each other. Everybody's betraying each other. You make me sick. I can't stand to even look at you. What'd I do? I don't know, but I just can't stand to look at you no more. You're mad at your bosses. We're mad at the church. We're mad at God. But I don't hear nobody saying, I'm mad at the devil. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm just flat out sick and tired of him getting away with, this, with his bait and switch plan. I'm just so ready to snatch him out from behind the curtain and reveal to you that he is the real instigator. You know why? So that you and I, and our brothers and our sisters and our families and the church can get along again and be a family again. I'm tired of division. I'm tired of discord. I'm being sown against the brethren. People sitting in church in the presence of God with unforgiveness in their hearts, beat down, destitute, wounded and feeling betrayed, having bad thoughts, fighting according to their flesh. I say, devil, it's time for you to pay. And today you're being exposed as the architect behind the evil plot to kill, steal, and try to destroy us. And I've come to tell some folks, get ready for restitution to come your way. The people who done you wrong that thought they would get away with it, they're going to pay for it. Get ready. God's fixing to set things back in order. Don't be surprised when people who done you wrong finally call and say they're sorry. Don't be surprised when people owed you, you thought would never pay you, show up to pay you. When people who done you wrong finally admit it, when people owe you apology, finally apologize. God's fixing to make them see it's their responsibility. God's going to cancel your enemy's assignment. He's going to set some things right that were wrong. He's going to set them right. God's going to speak to some hearts in here today and remind someone it's your responsibility to go make things right with some folks. And I believe after this message, somebody's going to need to call their mama. Somebody's going to need to call their daddy. Somebody's going to need to call their daughter. Somebody's going to need to call their sister. Somebody's going to need to call a church member and take full responsibility for your actions and make things right. I remember shortly after I got saved, God required me to make some things right with some people. It was my responsibility. I remember... 26, 27 years ago, 26 years ago, I got saved. I remembered God made me deal with calling somebody. When I was out in the bars playing music and all the weekends and stuff, there was this girl that used to come in here and play music all the time. She's friends with my wife. Well, she got saved. And uh, when I seen her, you know what I said to her? Hey, what's up, Holy Roller? I mocked her. I made fun of her. You know what? After I got saved, God said, call her. And I called her. I said, hey, Debbie, this is Randy. Yeah, what's up? I just have to call you and apologize to you and tell you I'm sorry. When I heard that you got saved and how I mocked you that day. I just want you to let you know something today. I'm a holy roller too. I had to make it right. And that's what God's fixing to do. God's fixing to speak to people's hearts. If you got things, your imaginations or your thoughts aren't right, and you got things that you've done, you betrayed people, or people betrayed you, it's time to make some things right. Hallelujah. God's going to see to it they pay for it. Because the Lord says, vengeance is mine. You just got to forgive and move on and live on. Forgiveness is not to let the enemy off the hook. It's to let you off. 
It keeps you from being hooked by the enemy's plan to bind you and make you bitter. There are people who have lived in misery for 20 years for what someone did to you 20 years ago and it ought not be. You're going to have to stop being bitter if you ever want to get better. And I'm here to serve notice to every evil scheme, plan, political plot instigated by the spirits of this age, carried out by the blinded far left to destroy this godly nation. I serve notice to you. That's right, I do. And whoever would have thought this notice would come out of a little old redneck church in Popper Bluff, Missouri and served by a no-name preacher like me, but it can be because it's not about me, it's about thee. So by the authority of Jesus Christ, I declare to you, devil, you're going to pay it all back to us for what you've done to our great nation, what you've done to our precious people, what you've done to this church. We're not falling for your evil plans no more. The only falling we're going to do around here is we're going to fall on our knees and ask for our Heavenly Father to forgive us as we forgive one another. Because the God of restoration is going to restore this nation. And the daughter of Zion is going to rule this nation again. Oh, does anybody believe that besides me? And to the ones that have been used to carry out the enemy's plot against a godly nation, against your loved ones, your brethren, when their assignment is canceled out with all backfires like it did for Judas, they too will pay for what they've done and they will remain responsible. Get ready, church, for it all to backfire. They will give it back and be punished for their sins against God's anointed, against innocent blood. They will have themselves a Judas moment. That right there ought to make any church on a Sunday night shout. It will be their responsibility. It will be on their shoulders. The blood will be on their hands. They will stand accountable. If, you've been, if you have betrayed someone, it's not too late. The grace of God to make things right tonight. Church, because payday is coming. When God will right every wrong, God says, touch not my anointed. I wish I had something to preach about tonight that wouldn't get just a normal response, but would make a church like this stand up and let out a war cry, followed by a victory shout right about now to let the devil know, I'm coming after my stuff. Come on, church. Okay, I get it. Some of you ain't feeling it like I am yet. Then let me carry on and see if I can't persuade you to believe you can get your stuff too. In 1985, a novel was written by an author named Alice Walkers. They turned it into a movie, which has now become a classic entitled The Color Purple. Most of us are familiar with it, probably watched it. It's a story about the journey of a young lady named Celie who was raised by an abusive father who eventually pimped her out into a marriage to a very mean man, a man whose name was only known as Mr. He too abuses her. He mangles her mind. He breaks her heart, but he's never able to quite crush her spirit, leading her to one day to conclude enough was enough. You done taking everything I got, I ain't got nothing else to lose. So she grabs a knife and she points it to Mr.'s throat and says, until you do me right, everything you think will crumble as to curse him. And Mr. responded saying, who do you think this is? You can't curse nobody. Look at you. You're black. You're poor. You're ugly. You're a woman. You're nothing. Well, this day, Celia answered back and said, until you do me right by me, everything you even think is going to fall. She was not going to let her enemy walk on her again. And during this struggle, when he repeated the lies to her that always made her cower down, when he tried to tear her down this time, it didn't work. 
The power to do it was gone after 20 years. She had done made up her mind. She wasn't going to believe his lies again. And she stood toe-to-toe. She had reassessed her self-worth. And all of what she had been through, the only thing he couldn't crush was her spirit. And her spirit spoke truth to her. There's so many people who have been crushed and believed your enemy's lies of betrayal. They need to have a silly moment. You haven't got nothing else to lose, but you got a lot to gain. I want you to focus on her consistent determination to break the curse off of her thinking. How did she do it? 2 Corinthians 10, 5. She cast down every evil imagination and every high thing that exalted itself above God. She had to stop believing everything her enemy said and start believing what God said. She had to reimagine her imagination. She had to feed her mind with positive thoughts. Every time another lie would come to attack her self-esteem, she would say, not today, Satan. You need to wake up every day and declare, not today, Satan. Try it. Say it. Not today, Satan. Maybe you need to buy the T-shirt. I've seen the T-shirt. You might want to get you on them T-shirts. Wear it every day. Not today, Satan. So many people are so beat down. They can't imagine anything good anymore happening to them. They can't imagine them being a, being a good man. They can't imagine themselves getting, going to college. They can't imagine them getting a better job. They can't imagine them being, having children. They can't imagine themselves being sober. They can't imagine themselves living in a better house. They can't imagine themselves being loved, being part of a church, being forgiven. All you can imagine is being stuck and bound. You quit dreaming because you allowed what you heard dictate to you your self-worth. You allowed your environment, your surroundings to become barriers you never believed you could break and was never encouraged to break them. Well, I haven't come too late to tell you, you still can. Get up out of that grave. Come on, somebody. I don't know how deep it is. It's time to cast down the evil imaginations, and it's time to imagine and dream again. It's time for your spirit to come alive. It's time to be sick and tired of being sick and tired and look your enemy in the face and say, today is a new day. Mr. said, I can't. But Jesus, the master, says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's time to start dreaming. Imagine yourself being somewhere other than when you've always been. Don't be gaslighted, led to believe something that isn't true. When there is something deep down in your spirit telling you you are more, that the devil is a liar. And I've come to tell someone, it's time to start dreaming again. It's time to start imagining yourself being somebody they said you couldn't be, doing something they said you couldn't do. Because God wants to impregnate your imagination and cause a manifestation to be birthed out of your life, giving you a purpose to your life. We've all been living way too far beneath our privileges as a child of God. We're to be the head, not to tell. We've just about let this woke charade do us in. Set us down. Shut our mouths. And it's weighing heavy on our minds. Well, I say, church, enough is enough. We done giving way too much away. The liberals are promoting it, but the one behind it all is the devil. But devil, there is a payday coming, and this sleeping giant's about to roar. And I came to tell you, not only can the anointing break the yoke, but that same anointing can also break the woke. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when we get our stuff back. It's time to dream again, church. It's time to quit putting everything on hold, setting and waiting to see what happens next. When we should be making what happens next happen. We are the church of the living God, yet we're in a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a shallow grave. Has anybody here been imagining a better year this year? A better year for your family? A better year for your ministry? A better year for your children? Celie was cursing her enemy's imagination. He had placed on her. She had done cast it down. She was already imagining a better life for herself. She already began to imagine herself in a better place. And she was letting her enemy know, everything you even think about doing to me, I curse it. 
There's life and death in the tongue. It can speak blessing or it can speak cursing. She was cursing her enemy that day. She was serving notice to him, it's over. I'm choosing this day to be an overcomer. Would you please stand? Today, I curse your enemy that has spoken negativity about your character, about your integrity, about your personality, about your family, that's lied on you, abused you, mistreated you, manipulated you. I curse their imaginations over you in the name of Jesus Christ. I break every assignment that's been planned and plotted against you, every snare, every trap, shall be canceled. I curse your enemy and anyone who participates in the attempted destruction of you who does not want you to flourish in the will of God. And I bless your imagination with blessings and honor, with dreams and visions and celebrations of victories. And this year restitution, it's payday for the body of Christ and the devil. You're going to pay them all back dearly. I'm trying to get the glory train back on the track. We've lost some valuable time, but God says, don't worry, be happy. We will be more productive than we've ever been. Randy, you're preaching this at a time when everything in our nation is being turned upside down. When we're facing the worst spiritual drought ever. Yeah, so Noah built an ark during the worst drought in history. It hadn't even rained a drop prior to him believing it would. Mock me if you want to, but I'm like a Noah today. I don't care how dry it is right now. I'm sorry you can't imagine it being any different, but I believe and I believe and I believe it's fixing to rain. Sit there and do nothing if you don't want to, but I got work to do. I imagine a great flood of God's spirit coming down before the end of this thing. It's not to destroy the people, but to save this time before the end of the world. The rainbow was a promise. And it's time to quit letting people kill your dreams. It's time to cut yourself loose from the dream killers. People have attacked you because of their evil hearts, thought it was necessary. See you as prey. They've seen you as vulnerable. They've seen you as a casualty of war, as a roadblock to them, and as a burden to their evil agenda. They tear down others, try to build themselves up. They're driven by power and control. They're driven by evil minds, and they have evil imaginations that include using you. They really don't like you. They really don't have your best interest in mind. They will use you and they'll abuse you and spit you out when they're through with you. And many of us have fallen victim to these schemes and plans at different points in our lives. And they can pay you to practice them for years, gaining wealth and fame and popularity for themselves at someone else's expenses until one day they meet the one, the one who says, not today, Satan, you done picked on the wrong one. What they wanted to do you was unwarranted. But what they didn't know, that because you're God's anointed, you come with a warranty. That says whatever they intended for evil against you, God's going to work it for your good. That no weapon formed against you will prosper. And your enemy's going to pay you for his or her mistake. This is how you know you're anointed and appointed. Because when there's some, with some people who set out to break you, to do harm to you, destroy your character, it backfired against them. And here you are in church, and you're not bitter anymore. You're better. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the words of your testimony. You're doing better than you ever dreamed you could. You were sitting in that drug house a year ago, and you were broke, busted, and disgusted. Little did you know a year later, you'd be sitting in a church house, saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness? And how did you get from there to here? Let me hear somebody shout it. Jesus. 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 He brought you up out of the miry clay and he set your feet up on a rock. Come on, somebody. Judas was an unnecessary evil. There have been people in your life or in your life when they've practiced unnecessary evil. They've lied to your face. They didn't know you would have forgiven them if they just would have been truthful to you. They cheated on you even when you were faithful. They stabbed you in the back even when you had been more than generous to them. You've been burnt so many times. You've been taken advantage of more than one occasion. So now you're guarded. In Matthew 27, I'm fixing to close this up. 
The first thing on the morning they come to get Jesus and they put our loving innocent Lord in handcuffs. Can you see anything right about that picture? That's the same way that the Lord sees you. When he sees you anointed and appointed and yet you're bound by your enemy being betrayed and you're all stressed out and struggling to get by, oppressed and depressed. When he died on a cross to set you free, shed his blood to redeem you and you're losing your sanctification because the car won't start this morning, because your child got a bad report, because the boss made you work overtime, because no one invited you to the party ought not to be. All because of how you reacted to your evil thoughts. God's got plans for the church in this hour. And he doesn't want to see us bound, but he wants to see us abounding. When Judas saw Jesus being arrested, he got convicted. That's why some people that have done you wrong been avoiding you. They can't face you, they can't look you in the eye because they know what they did to you. What's crazy, in some situations, they don't think you know they did it to you. Church, it's time to move past the betrayal. It's time for us to move on. We've been called for such a time as this. It's time to overcome. It's time to let go. God's got a plan. It's payday. It's time to stand toe to toe with your enemy and say, not today, Satan. This whole message boils down to this. With everything that's going on in this world, I'm not sure what everyone is facing, but we know we're all facing things. With whatever it is you're facing, with all the pressure, with all of the tragedies, with all the conflicts, with all the things that you're facing, this message all boils down to this, what Paul was trying to say. What are you imagining? What's your thoughts? What are you thinking about doing about it? Are you imagining it's hopeless? Are you imagining we're not going to make it? Are you imagining things are over? And are you imagining the church is done? Or are you imagining I've got a future? Are you imagining prosperity? Are you imagining good things in the midst of all this turmoil? Because that's where we're at. So many people are allowing their thoughts. See, it's your thoughts that build the image. And the imagination is what brings the dream, whether it be a good dream or a nightmare. And how you think about things is very important and crucial right now because every single one of us are in the fire. We're all going through things, but how you imagine things. Are you reacting according to your flesh or are you reacting according to your spirit? If you're here tonight and you've been betrayed you felt the hurts, the pains, the wounds, the betrayal. I'm going to ask you to come tonight. Find your place at this altar. God wants to minister to you. He wants to heal you. Praise God. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes. 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 Betrayal hurts. Especially when it comes from those the closest to you. Or perhaps you're even here tonight, be honest. Maybe you betrayed someone. Maybe you have betrayed your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, tonight is the night to come to these altars and make things right. God's wanting to transform and renew our minds. Before I move on, is there any others? Come, let God heal you. Let him heal the wounds, the scars, the things. Come on.
Come on. Tonight, the betrayal is over. These people are going to leave tonight forgiven and forgiving. And God's going to do something. They're going to be able to imagine again a glorious life of Jesus Christ. You see, when I was a sinner, I didn't have a good imagination. I never imagined anything good for my life. But after I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, I never would have imagined I'd be standing here preaching tonight. There's a lot of things going on in my life now I never would have imagined. But they only happened because of the Spirit of God that came upon my life and helped me to believe in Him. Are there any others? With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. I'm going to pray over every single one of you in here. And I want you to pray. Ask God to help you. Whatever it is you're facing, ask him how to handle it. Ask him how to respond to it. So that when you respond, you don't do damage. You make progress. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and I pray over this congregation right now. We are bombarded with troubles and trials and tribulations. We are facing things on all fronts, God. At our jobs, in our homes, in the church. And Father, too often we're responding, reacting according to the flesh. But according to thy word, O oh God, we're to act and respond according to the Spirit. That we're to bring all that stuff, God, Lord, into captivity. All those bad thoughts. All those bad imaginations. And then, God, we're to ask you to transform and renew our minds. So the good things begin to show up again. We begin to dream again. We begin to imagine we can overcome. We can conquer. We will survive. We have a dream. We have a future. We have a ministry. We have those things, God, Lord. We can have them because of you, God, Lord. And God, I ask the Spirit of God to move upon this congregation. Every single person, renew their minds, God. Set them free. Set them free from the bitterness, the wrath, the anger. And God, let them be free to live, free to love. Show us mercy, God. As we follow you, God, Lord, lead us, God, in the path of righteousness. If, the, if the, these guys are going to begin to pray and begin to worship, now that you, when you're done praying, would you worship? Would you spend some time and go back into a time of worship with these as they play, begin to play as we pray?
praise the Lord. When you leave here tonight, walk out them doors with your head held high as a child of the Most High God. And when you face what's outside them walls, the challenges, the stress, the pressures, the peer pressures, those things, don't fight them according to your flesh. Fight them according to the Spirit of God and what the Word of God, is, the Word of God says for you to do. When you have those thoughts, and you will. When you have those imaginations, and you will. Capture hold of those things. Bring them in. Don't be quick to respond. Be quick to pray. And all things pray before you react so that when you react, it will be progressive and not destructive. I love you. God bless you. And before you leave, would you say, say it with me one time? It sounds so good. One more time before you leave. Not today, Satan. You ready? One, two, three. Not today, Satan. Nor tomorrow. God bless you.